This is Parker Hesse. This is Sam Branks. You have the pleasure of listening to Hawkeyes and Tallboys. Cheers, motherfuckers. Welcome to the Hawkeyes and Tallboys podcast. Featuring your host, Bo Freeborn. You know, guys, even though we get two conference losses, we're still going to end up 9-3. and three. We're going to win the West, for sure. Dylan Pond. Here's the thing, fellas. I'm going with it. 12 and fucking hell, baby. We're going to do it. Let's fucking go. Woo! And Rob Wall. I mean, that would be shocking. But we can do it. I mean, I think we can. So crack a tall boy. And go Hawks! Welcome into another episode of Hawkeyes and Tall Boys. My name's Rob. Oh, hey, what's up? I'm Bo Dill. I think you're muted, bro. <laughs> and, and I'm Dylan. Woo! <laughs> Cheers, guys. Let's go, dude. Rob, are those those like cheap dollar beers that you got at at Fairway? <laughs> no, dude. Uh, I haven't been to the bargain little section yet uh, at Hyvee to look at to see if we have any more discontinued liquors. <laughs> I think that's what the label is. But no, I'm drinking a little Elsian uh, <clears throat> Rolling Stone Lager. I literally only got it because it says Rolling Stone on it, um, but it just tastes whatever. I also got a couple interesting beers here to show you guys. Um, these are stouts, which are just completely ridiculous, but even more Jesus is what it is. Love it. <laughs> I might dip into those depending on where we go. Jesus but, drank wine. Yeah, and these are stouts, which makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys drinking? Bush lattes, baby. Nice. And the only thing that matters in life, straight from Milwaukee, Wisconsin itself, of the Miller Coolers Brewing Company, uh, Miller Light. <laughs> No, uh, no GHT on that. No GHT. Remember when they remember when they had no GH or whatever it was? Or I, yeah, nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, for those of you listening in, thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Um, I know it's been a little bit since we had our last episode, but uh, there's, so there's a lot to catch up on. <clears throat> um, we're not going every week, obviously, because we're in the off season of the football uh, season here. But we are covering uh, Hawkeye sports and uh, giving commentary on some of the some of the best games and uh, your favorite teams here across Iowa. So um, we're going to be talking about the men's basketball team today. um, And we're going to also get into wrestling like we have been Um, getting more into wrestling these days, which I like. Um, And I just wanted to give a quick shout out before we get started. Um, I just learned about this fella. Uh, Shout out to a big shout out to Ashton barker uh he is actually competing in the state wrestling championships in des moines um next week so he got third last year it turns out um he's a a senior at uh, iowa city west um so just want to say uh good luck to him and his family um looks like he's going to be an iowa state cyclone next year which sorry to hear that um wish you wish you could rest for the hawks but uh you know what I mean? It's good to get a D1 uh, scholarship anywhere, and it sounds like he. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> and you know, you know, if you're not going to be a Hawkeye, at least go to UNI, where you know they got <laughs> nothing but 
nothing but <laughs> Iowa kids in their starting lineups. But no, in all seriousness here, uh, Rob, I know obviously with you being from Peoria, you may not be completely aware, but you know, for a young wrestler, especially growing up in the state of Iowa, you know, that that's the dream is making it to the state wrestling tournament and wrestling at Wells Fargo arena for the chance at standing on the podium. So uh, yeah, congratulations to the young man and best of luck. Perfect. Um, well, without further ado, guys, let's jump into and let's rewind and let's look back at the last few games at the Iowa City or sorry, not Iowa City. Well, they could be Iowa City, but they are the University of Iowa Hawkeye men's basketball team. And guys, I have not been impressed for how good that they've played and how good they're capable of. We've lost four games recently, four out of the last five. Yeah, and you know, Rob, I'm not a superstitious person by any means, but I know you just made a comment about how we don't necessarily do podcasts every week. I think we're going to start doing them every week again for the sole reason that the Hawkeye basketball team went two and four since the last time we got together and recorded. So that simply cannot happen. We're not doing our part for the team. You know, we're not being there for the guys when they're down. You know, we're not the Keegan Murrays coming off the bench and saving the day. You know, we're, we're the opposite. We're, you know, we're, we're the J-Bo dribbling – 452 times in a 30 second shot clock and taking up 28 <laughs> seconds. So Jordan Bohannon, I know he's the weekly listener, so I'm just giving you shit there. So no big deal. But in all seriousness, since we last recorded, the Hawks have been two and four and, and in those games, you know, is includes two losses to Indiana, a loss to in a big game versus Illinois, a loss in a big game versus Ohio state. And, you know, we finally righted the ship here last night with the win over ranked 25th Rutgers you know, 79 to 66. And I think we're finally getting back on the right track. Why do you guys think that is? Well, first and foremost, I, I think that CJ Frederick finally got a play last night. We've held him out for the last, you know, five games just due to a foot injury. And uh, you can tell he already makes an immediate impact. I think it's not, not a secret that uh, we don't truly possess a ton of offensive weapons outside of our starting five. And that's uh, maybe a bold statement, but CJ just draws so much attention and he's such a good passer that he creates so much for Garza. And when he's out on the floor, I mean, Garza is unstoppable, right? So if he's able to pass it in or shoot 50% from three, like he has been, that's a big thing too. I also think that uh, with J-Bo getting more minutes that Joe Toussaint really hasn't been seeing the floor as much as what he should. And we haven't been doing a great job of playing defense. And I don't think Fran's been doing a good job of, rotating in the guys who can actually play defense too. Like nothing against the starters, but Perkins and Ulyss have both been playing outstanding D so far when they came in and even Tucson too, but there's just no opportunity that, that Fran's given them to come and play and and make a difference. Rob. Yeah. I got to say that I I absolutely echo those, um, you know, those sentiments, you know, when you look at uh, the starting five, I mean, we have like solid shooting and uh, we have like good possessions that, you know, these guys are, are able to contribute to. Um, but there's a lot, I think, in my opinion, of standing around on the three point line in the offensive end. And there's a lot of, <clears throat> I don't see a lot of active hands and uh, moving in the one, three, one zone and shifting the way that they need to be um, on the, on the other end. So, 
and I'm and I hate to call people out, but you know, I see that in Jordan Bohannon a little bit. I see that a little bit in uh, CJ Frederick a little bit, and I feel like those two players like are almost si- like so similar. I don't know if I'd rather have one or the other. If you have them both on the floor, I feel like we need we need a little bit more athletic guard, somebody who's a little bit quicker, um, who can make plays on the defensive end and uh, and you know create plays for others on the offensive end. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna combat that a little bit. I think C.J. Frederick is actually one of our better defenders. He just has you know obviously been hurt the last five games. But what I would say is to get I, and again this is my opinion, but get Connor McCaffrey less minutes get Toussaint or Patrick McCaffrey in more minutes because Patrick's length definitely goes to our favor, but Toussaint's speed is just unmatched. Plus he can create so that Bohannon has more wide open shots. And again, to get more, more, uh, more shots for Garza and for Wieskamp too. Yeah. You know, I, I, I see what you're saying, saying there, Bo, but you know, saying, you know, subbing in, Patrick McCaffrey for Connor McCaffrey. That's like saying, okay, we're going to sub in Joe Toussaint for Garza. Like, you know, they, they, they play two different positions. <laughs> I don't understand how you can go back and say, okay, well, this guy needs more minutes and this is how you take him out. Like, you know, you know, I, I'm with everyone else that you're seeing on Twitter right now that says, you know, Fran can be doing a lot better than what he's doing with the talent that he's got. But I mean, we, we got to still be sensical about it at the same time, you know, you know, there's a reason Connor McCaffrey's in there. He has a lot of those intangibles. You know, he has a four to one assist to turnover ratio for a reason. Say, you know, one I got of the best passers in the Big Ten. Got in a fight with. But who's he passing it right, to though? Got, Let me. Who's he passing it to? He's he, passing it to Garza. Literally, he's getting the stats from he, Garza. He, like, don't get me wrong. I love, I love Connor McCaffrey, and I love he's six five. He's got good size, but bro, he gets blown by on defense, and all he does is pass to Garza, bro, and he's no okay. offensive threat. Okay, all, all five guys that start every game get blown by on defense. Nobody on that team is worth a shit defensively. Or Ouch. I shouldn't say nobody on the team because nobody except for the guys on the bench are worth a shit defensively. Watch Garza. For as much as everybody just praises the bejesus out of him, he's just not that good defensively this year. You know, and, and I know some people think that'll hinder him in the NBA, which I, I don't think so whatsoever because you don't have to play defense in the NBA. Wink, wink, <laughs> nudge, nudge, basketball true basketball fans will hate that I said that, but (laughs) in all seriousness, there's not one guy that stands out for a stellar defense, you know, and that that's not what Fran harps on. That's not what he coaches hard. You know, that's why we sit there and play in that one, three, one zone. So we can, you know, keep everything outside. Well, teams have figured it out and they've started burying corner threes on us. You know, like last night, if Rutgers would have hit a few more of those, that game would have been a lot closer than it should have been. So you know, that, that's one of those things we got to figure out. And Fran, when the national media asks him about it, or even the local media, <laughs> and says, you know, how do you improve your three-point defense? Oh, yeah, we have to get better at that. That's not a fucking answer. You know, yeah. I, I'm glad we won last night as much as everybody else is. But, you know, sitting there in zone, in any sort of zone, whether that be 2-3, 3-2, three, three, or 1-3-1, one, one, you know, you're going to give up those three-point shots. So, you know, how, how do you combat that? Well, we've seen Iowa come out in a little bit more man uh, and, you know, the one thing I loved about Iowa starting the season is that they mixed it up. You know, they'd come out 1-3-1, one, one, one set, then pop back into that 3-2, you know, go man-to-man the next one. Like, keep them guessing. Keep them on their toes. You know, don't just don't be so easy to figure out. God, it's like we're watching, you know, early season Iowa football with the predictability of our defense. So, uh, just unbelievable. Sorry but for the same, rant. No, it's good. But at the same time, too, I, I also think that 
Fran has the mentality too that hey, we can average eighty-five to ninety points a game. Like, if as long as we can put up some numbers, I think we're going to be just fine. And and I guess like you look back at the last six games, you know, people that we played have have only scored over eighty-one points, you know, two two three times. Like, if if we are our average, I think is eighty-five points a game. If we hit our average every single game, we're probably going to win damn near every single one of the games we play in. But that goes back to the offensive not being as stellar. Like, look, we, we scored 79 points on Rutgers, but we only scored 65 at Indiana, scored 85 at Ohio State, 80, no, 78 against Michigan State. You know, it's just it's just been so up and down, hit or miss, if we're hitting shots or not, too. Which See, and, and that's the thing. And just like you're saying, man, but how sustainable is that? Right. You know, that was always my one problem with the Iowa State teams under Fred Hoiberg, you know, I think they're pretty well known for living and dying by the three. It's like, yeah, they might make a sweet 16 one year, but then they might get bounced out, you know, in the first round the next year, you know, if they're having an off night shooting. And I don't want that to be this Hawkeye team because I think this Hawkeye team can go deep. You know, they got the, they got the personnel to do it. And I know I just sat here and trashed our defense and defense is absolutely vital to, you know, advancing in the NCAA tournament. But that's the thing. I think our defense comes from our bench. And it comes from the Sparks of the guys like the Keegan Murrays, like you were touching on, you know, the Patrick McCaffrey's. Uh, I don't think Patrick's all the way there yet necessarily. Not but, yet. You know, one of the one of those guys that has the length to be a good defender long term. Wieskamp. Long term. You look at, yeah, Tony Perkins. Uh, I think Wieskamp's decent defensively. Uh, I wouldn't put him in elite category by any means, but. Uh, you know, I said Tony Perkins already. Even Aaron Ulis, another one. God, you saw it the other night when. You know, Iowa was trying to come back late in the game, and, you know, Fran McCaffrey was throwing full defensive sets out there like this is fucking hockey. Like, incredible. <laughs> so, One thing I will say, though, and I think that seems to be just what the strategy is uh, with this year's team and the talent that we have on it, is, like, we're going to dump the ball into Garza. We're going to play an inside-out game on offense to where it'll open up, you know, shots for our shooters on the three-point arc. And uh, we're, we're going to basically try to feed Garza. And, and that's and then as long as we can, I think I've talked about this before, but they also do run like a one, two, two or sort of a half court trap uh, that they do off off of made baskets. Typically, I see. And then they settle back into a one, three, one zone. And I think they're just sort of waiting for, you know, to gather the miss. I think that they're <clears throat> they run a one, three, one so that they can have you know, so many players by the basket. So that way that we can gather the rebound. Now, granted, you're going to have teams that can shoot from the outside and you're going to have to adjust for that. And, but I mean, if you can create misses from open three point shots, which in college, I mean, you don't see that many automatic guys like you do in the NBA. So it's like, you know, they'll take that possession. We'll go up a possession and we'll just keep running that scheme and, and, and extending our lead as long as we can score consistently on offense. So it's more of just like uh, outpacing the other team, in my opinion, than it is about locking them down and getting stops. And I don't see that. And that's hurt us. I think that when we mm-hmm. played Gonzaga, we had a guy who was just literally lights out. Uh, who destroyed us. Um, and I feel like teams are starting to looked at that game. And I think some of these teams are starting to say like, Hey, if we make our shots, we win against, or at least it's close against Iowa. And- you know, I like how you say that though, too, uh, Rob, in terms of like in and out, you know, like we feed Garza, but then we feed off of what happens when he passes out. Like Wies camp is averaging 17 points a game and eight rebounds the last eight games. Like that's the kind of guy we need. I'm pretty sure that Bohan's up near 15 
uh, 15 points a game the last however many games or even on the season two. So like we have the perimeter shooting, but can we rely on it night in, night out, even if we're not playing the best defense? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sold on Bohannon. I don't think that uh, I think that he's a good shooter. And uh, and I think he can bring the he is skilled enough to bring the ball to the floor. Um, sometimes he makes questionable decisions with his passes. I like Connor as a better passer than I do Bohannon. But I mean, there's times, man, and this could be come come down to coaching. But like as much as it looks like we are comfortable in the middle of the game playing with the lead, you know, running our offense or you know, giving it to guards and letting him create, you know, passing it back out, kind of letting it, everyone get touches, which I love that kind of, that's my favorite type of basketball is, is what we sort of run. But we're, when we're in pressure situations, um, like the end of the game uh, against Indiana and, you know, when it's, when the, when the, when the last final minute, it doesn't look like there is a plan. And I don't see that from, from the coaching. And this stems back to before this season. If you remember when we played Michigan state at uh, Carver Hawkeye arena um, and Michigan state had like uh, miles bridges who's in the NBA now. And that team, we were up at the end of the game and we just squandered our lead. We, we didn't, you know, just from like running the shot clock out, not having a plan there. There was like a last second shot. I think it was a shot clock violation. The other team got the ball, came down, scored, won the game. You know, and that you make a great point there too. And I just want to know both of you guys' thoughts or maybe even one of yours, but like as, as fans, like we see these great starts. Do you think that it's just scheduling that we schedule maybe not necessarily cupcakes, but like we make it an easier schedule at the beginning, like front loader schedule. And then at the end, we just start playing a ton of these teams. And then as fans, we sit back and we look, and we're like, man, confidence wise, we get some, to some of these close games. We're like, I don't know if we win any of these close games here on out because we've lost all these close ones here. I guess it was a double-edged question, but I mean, do you guys think that you guys have the same mentality as me as we're not going to win a ton of these close games just because we haven't proven that we can close at the end? Well, I, I partially agree with that, Bo. I think if you look at, you know, seasons past, I definitely think Fran and company can receive a lot of criticism in regards to scheduling. However, I don't, I don't think you can make that argument this year. You know, I'm trying to think of all the teams we played in the non-conference this year. You know, you look at North Carolina, you look at uh, Gonzaga. Oh God, who else? I mean, Iowa uh, State's in there. Iowa State. Um, We're got, no, the rest is all big 10. So besides those three, it was like mm -hmm. North Carolina central and Southern at the beginning. Right. right. So yeah. straight, straight cupcakes before then, which I mean, every team has those. So I, I don't know that we can necessarily blame well, I that. I, I think just year in and year out, the big 10 is just a meat grinder, you know, like I think, you know, you look at the national rankings and at the beginning of the year, how many teams are in the big 10 now, how many have dropped out? Well, of course they're going to drop out. They're sitting there beating the shit out of each other. You know, yeah. I, I think come tournament time, you're really going to see how good the big 10 is and, you know, potentially having, you know, six, seven teams in the sweet 16. Probably we'll probably have nine team, nine or 10 teams in the, in the tournament. Right. Yep. And that's the Absolutely. most out of any other conference. So Rob, mm -hmm. do you have anything to add on that? Just only thing I have to add is I'm going to answer your question, Bo. And is that the answer for me is a solid. No, I don't feel comfortable when, when we're in a close game situation, 
I I'm almost feel defeated. It's just like it's almost like because I've seen so many games where like the it's close and I can tell that we don't. It just doesn't look like there's any sort of plan. Um, people, you know, panic. It looks like they, you know, and the meanwhile the other team is like feeding off that. You know, they'll double team Garza and Garza can't find the open guy. That's when we make a mistake or throw it away. And that's a turnover. That's a problem. I've seen that happen too many times <laughs> to think otherwise. So I'd like to say that, you know, I'm like, oh, if, you know, if it's close, at least we can manage the clock. We can call time out. We know what we what we need to do. There's a plan in place. All the best teams, especially the teams that make it to the final four and stuff like that, have like go to players you know, at the end of the game where it's like, and you always hear stories like that, like fantasies almost where it's like, you know, Jordan's get the ball, going to get the ball at the end of the game. Mm. You know what I mean? He's going to be the one to make the decision. He's got the control. He's calm. You know what I mean? Doesn't seem like any of our guys are not, not to compare him to Jordan, just the most obvious example, but you know that they just don't seem like they uh, have any idea of like what needs to happen even Gar- Garza included. I mean, sometimes he doesn't have very good clock awareness. So on that note, so just kind of looking at our schedule, we, we go, and this yep. is just the next six games. we got Michigan state at Michigan state at Wisconsin, Penn state at home at Ohio state at Michigan at Wisconsin. How brutal. brutal, right? So that goes back to my, my statement about front loading the schedule to where we, I, I'm not going to say play the more of the cupcake teams in the Big Ten, but maybe more of an easier schedule, at least get those out of the way. Do you guys feel comfortable with that, especially ending the season like that and then going into the Big Ten tournament? Or how, how do you guys feel about Iowa, you know, starting out at Michigan State, playing Wisconsin twice, playing Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan? You know, what, what do you guys think? Uh, for me, I actually, I actually like it. Um, I'll tell you what. So here's why. So first off, this is what we talked about at the beginning of the season. If you guys remember, if you guys go back, um, we looked at our schedule coming out and we said, okay, there's going to be, we could be undefeated. And if we beat Gonzaga, which we did go undefeated before we lost to Gonzaga, you know, then we'll see how good we really are. Well, we lost to Gonzaga and then we uh, won, you know, the next, you know, seven out of eight games, we lost to Minnesota. And then we get to February And this is what we said, like February is the gauntlet. Every week we have a really tough team. We lost to Indiana. So we got to play Indiana again. You know what I mean? We lost to him again. Unfortunately, we lost to Illinois, which I thought that we should have won. And most of these, I obviously thought we should have won, but you know, Ohio state's ranked in the top 10. We lost to them. And then we got to go and play these guys. So it's like all these teams are going to really test us and it's going to test us in like, back-to-back-to-back-to-back games, and then we're going to go into the Big Ten tournament. So I think that regardless now at this point in the season, I think that uh, Iowa is a lock to be in the NCAA tournament. And so if we go into this gauntlet and we lose a bunch of these games, I still think we get into the tournament, but everyone's going to be sleeping on us, and I think it's going to be good. I think we're going to be like an upset uh, bid team, you know, when it comes to the – NCAA tournament. I think it could play out really well. I think we could surprise a lot of people. What do you oh, think? I, I, I was going to say, I agree with you there, Rob. Um, you know, you, you look at some of these next few games, I think Michigan State played us really tough at home, so that's going to be no slouch. 
uh, Wisconsin shown they've been up and down, you know, overall pretty damn good team there. Uh, Penn State, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about. I wanted to say they're kind of bottom dwellers at the Big Ten right now. And then, you know, you got a week then to prepare for Ohio State. So I, this is a stretch of tough but very, very winnable games. Whereas, you know, if we come out shooting even decently well and playing decent defense, I think we're going to be okay, you know. And uh, specifically as far as like Bo was saying, these next six games, you know, I, I think – there's a very real possibility we come out of that stretch five and one or four and two, anything less than that. And then I'm, I'm going to be worried, you know, the, the Fran February fade that we hear so much about, you know, you're, you're going to start kind of having those doubts in the back of your mind of what this team can go do in the tournament and beyond. So, um, yeah, that nonetheless, I think, like I said, if they get through these next few games, four and two or better, I'll be pleased even three and three, I'll be like, okay, that's, you know, I, I can live with that. A- anything less than that, then I'm going to be very, very concerned. You know, I like that take. I, and I think it's something too, that is going to uh, push us through to the big 10 tournament. You know, if we go four and two, five and one, six and zero, oh, best case scenario, I mean, the best teams come to play right as March comes around. So if we we're playing right. at a high level like that, scoring 85 plus points a game, playing good defense, you guys better watch out for the Iowa Hawkeyes. All right, so guys, Hell yeah. to, to finish up our basketball segment, let's all give some predictions, and we'll go back and check and see how good we do. So love it. Um, we got this Saturday against Michigan State at Wisconsin, Penn State at Ohio State at Michigan, then at home versus Wisconsin. So we play Wisconsin twice out of the next six games to end the season before we get to the Big Ten tournament. Dill, what is your prediction for this? Oh, so before we get to the Big Ten tournament, so total we have six games, you said, correct? Yep, four that. of those are ranked. Two of them are Wisconsin at 21. Okay, so, I mean, Wisconsin, you figure there's going to be a split there. Um, you know, I, I don't know who wins where, but I feel like we split with them because they're so hot. They're so hot or cold team, you know, kind of similar to – you know, Iowa's been in the past where they're a team on the up. So I see us splitting with them. Uh, I see us pulling one out, you know, whether that be Ohio State, you know, one, one of those ranked games that would be a quote-unquote upset. I do see Iowa pulling one of those out. Um, so as far as the next six games go, like I think my prediction is going to be my heart says four and two, my head says three and three. You guys know me. I always go with my heart. We're going four and two. I'm going to follow your lead there. I think that we lose at Wisconsin, but we get them at home. And then I think we lose at Michigan, unfortunately. I I don't know. I think Michigan could be that upset game. Unfortunately, I think, uh, I think that we beat, actually, I I think we beat Ohio state at Ohio state. um, But I think we trip up at Michigan though, Rob. Uh, Okay. So I say, I think we're going to beat, I think we're going to beat Michigan state. I think we're going to beat Penn state. I think we're going to beat Wisconsin's. And I think, that we're going to beat Ohio state. So I'm saying five and one love it. And I hope that I'm right. I just am scared. Number three, Michigan at Michigan. We haven't played them all year. Like got to remember though, too, they had been on pause for a while. They haven't played basketball for a couple of weeks. So. And how the hell are they fucking ranked third? Right. Well, I mean, and look what that pause did to Iowa too. Like I know Iowa didn't have a 
quote unquote COVID pause, but you know, we had what 10 straight days where we didn't play a game. And I think we were all arguing whether or not that'd be a good thing. I was wrong. I, I argued tooth and nail that it'd be a good thing to get a break in the middle of the season. Yeah, I was wrong. That fucked up the rhythm that messed everything up. So absolutely not. The guys got to get out there and get playing and, you know, and, for that reason, I think Michigan's a very winnable game because, you know, that takes more than a game to get that rhythm back. Well, on top of that, too, now Michigan may not be eligible for the, the regular season Big Ten title because they haven't played enough games. So that still leaves so much on the table for a five-loss Iowa team to potentially get back in the race and potentially win the Big Ten at the end of the year. Yeah, what are we going to do? What do we do with a problem like Michigan when you're looking at the uh, NCAA? <laughs> Take them out, baby. <laughs> <laughs> They're not in the Big Ten tournament. They're going to be an at-large bid that, that's going to take somebody else's spot. That's going to be – you know, I'd be interested to see what selection Sunday comes around. But, guys, that's pretty much all we got for basketball. Um, and so we're going to transition now. And uh, I wish I had my sound effects so I could uh, – do some fun transition music, maybe some Jeopardy like nah, 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 music. So, but we need to get to wrestling. Um, and this is uh, starting to become one of my favorite segments um, because I learned so much and uh, I, I really like wrestling. And for me, it's an up and coming sport because I'm uh, new to the new to the game. So with that, I'll go ahead and pass it off to Dylan. If you want to kind of set us up and, and where are we at in the state of affairs with it comes to Iowa wrestling. Heck yeah. So uh, for those of you that don't follow wrestling all that much and may not know, uh, Iowa wrestling is currently on a COVID pause. Uh, Some of you may know Alex Marinelli had tested positive. Caleb Young had tested positive and going through protocols. Uh, Tom Brands. Uh, what, what was your saying there, Bo, as far as Tom Brands? He, he, uh, he pinned COVID 48 seconds into the first period. I saw a yeah. tweet. I can't remember who it is or I'd shout him out, but I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, that is. So, uh, yeah, that, that's spot on. That's probably the toughest opponent that COVID's faced all all year long. So, uh, but yeah, no. So right right now they're currently in a pause and, you know, a lot of people are freaking out about that. Personally, I think it's a great thing. It's the best time to get into that, you know, before the quote unquote March Matt, M-A-T-ness. Get it? Like March Madness, but Matt wrestling. Uh but yeah, before March, before Big Tents, before NCAAs, you know, we're, we're getting all that crap out of the way. Uh, right before that, though, this past weekend, we had a couple of good bouts, good duels with, uh, sorry, I had to burp there, but with Purdue and Ohio State, uh, both a couple, you know, top 20 teams. So definitely some decent competition. Uh, however, you didn't see Re- Iowa wrestle their full A squad. So we got to see a little bit into the future, you know, got to see some of these backups work and see what was going on there. Uh, for instance, you know, you saw Spencer Lee's Spencer Lee's backup and Aaron Cashman, uh, you know, put up a pretty decent showing versus, you know, top 15 ranked Devin Schroeder from Purdue uh, ended up with the tech fall. Literally all that happened there. You saw him get taken down once, and then it was just tilts for days. So uh, you would think Cashman <laughs> would know a little bit about that uh, wrestling with Spencer Lee in the Iowa wrestling room, but it is what it is. No big deal. Uh, DeSanto was DeSanto both matches. I think he had two tech falls, so he's himself. Uh, Jaden Hyerman, another one, just going to be a stud. Uh, another match that Iowa actually lost, but I was really impressed with. Um, 
and it sounds kind of funny, but in that Iowa Ohio State matchup, you had number two ranked in the nation, Sammy Sasso, who some of you may remember got beat by Pat Lugo last year in Big Ten. So Pat Lugo carried that number one seed going into the NCAAs before those were canceled due to COVID. But Max Mirren really stuck with him. And so if you looked at that final stat line, you see, oh, Sammy Sasso pinned number five, Max Mirren, and that sounds so bad. Yeah, it was with seven seconds left in the match. And, you know, uh, you see Max Mirren going for a move to essentially win it all. I have zero issue with that. You know, it was very obvious that Iowa was going to win the duel. You know, I hear people talking about team points all the time. Like, you know, it beat someone you're not supposed to beat is something I hear quite a bit in the wrestling world. And that's what Max Mirren was going for. And he thinks he's the best at that weight. So he went for it. I am you okay know, with that. Go ahead, Bo. Yeah, we, we, we're going to talk a little bit about Gable Stevenson being the the uh, super villain, right? But, you know, Sammy Sasso, ever since I was in college, it seems like this dude's been around, and he's been kind of a villain to me ever ever since as well. Like, some one of those guys is just sneaky good, but someone you just love to hate as a, as a, as a wrestling fan of somebody other than Ohio State. Right. No, I, no, absolutely. And it's funny you say that, Bo, because I've heard a few people say that. Like, how long has this Sammy Sasso guy been around? This is his second year. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah this is his second year. So, he, he was a guy that got quite a bit of hype coming up through the high school ranks and, you know, and freestyle and Greco and whatnot. So, okay. uh, you know, hell of a wrestler. But that's so funny you say that because you're not the first person that said that. So, <laughs> Un- I, I Unfortunately, I, I was not in college two years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And I, I didn't mean to make shit out of you by saying that. Like I said, I've heard that plenty of times. But, uh, but nonetheless, getting back to, you know, the Iowa wrestling segment, you know, and then we get to see some of these young guys, which I thought, you know, is getting some invaluable experience. You look at a guy like Brett Lee Reyna, you know, a four-time state champion out of the state of Florida. And it's so funny. It's like watching a Pat Lugo clone. You know, the, this guy, Reyna, he's a little bit skinnier, a little bit lankier. You know, he was wrestling at 57, but it, he's just a clone. That Florida style, it's so similar. It's, you know, they're so reliant on their defensive wrestling and, uh you know, I'd love for Lance to comment on this a little bit as well after the podcast and, uh, you know, tell me if he thinks I'm right there. But that Florida style, it's so funky. It's so different. It's I don't want to say it's like more focused on freestyle necessarily, but it's kind of like defensive freestyle where, uh, you know, you move off of people shooting in on you. It's almost like a Jaden Ironman where he feels more comfortable with somebody in on his leg than he does like in a lockup position, which is just wild to me, but uh, so cool to see all these different styles blend into that Iowa way where that Iowa way is. Okay. Yeah. I might be a defensive wrestler, but I'm still, I'm going to be in your face constantly. You know, I'm going to be tugging at your head, that kind of thing. So uh, awesome to see that there. And then we saw a Western Dubuque's own actually Max Lyon pulling upset versus Nelson Brandt. So I know Lance, again, big fan of the Iowa wrestling community. So uh, cool to see Max Lyon get a W there as much as it sucked to see Nelson Brands lose. But literally Nelson just made one wrong move and, you know, ended up getting a six-pointer out of it. So that's going to happen. You know, Nelson's still young. He's still learning in the college ranks. Uh, He's still a stud. I heard some uneducated wrestling fans out there say that he's only on the Iowa Hawkeyes because he's Terry's kid. Absolutely not. That's the most misinformed opinion I've heard. <laughs> if you're that, if you're that ignorant, please just don't talk about it. Just shut up. Well, he came back and he wrestled Rocky Jordan really well too against mm-hmm. Ohio state too. So yeah, lost to max line, but, but came back and wrestled hard. So got to give him a lot of credit there. 
Yeah, and absolutely. And for those of you that don't know much about, you know, Ohio State wrestling in particular, uh, Rocky Jordan's the youngest of the Jordan brothers, or they might have one more, but uh, Bo Jordan might ring a bell, and then Micah Jordan as well. So both studs that came through there, and uh, Rocky's another one a little younger right now, but I think he has the potential to get up there as well. So uh, you see, you saw Jacob Warner finally find his offense at that 97, then, um, you know, and then Tony Cass doing what Tony Cass does and pinning weaker opponents, which points wise is just absolutely massive and you know that that's those are the kind of things you need bonus points victories are so huge when it comes to big tents so huge when it comes to ncaa's uh you know even in a year like now where i was completely stacked you know there's good chances that there's going to be some upsets in the tournament so you know if you can get those bonus point victories along the way that's just massive but go ahead and rob you're a big tony cassiope fan I know yep. that you got some, you got something to say about big Tony, don't you? Yeah. Big Tony Cassiope, man. The, the most Italian guy on the squad. Love him. First off, number three in the nation, big Tony Cassiope pinned Dorian keys in two minutes and 15 Ooh. seconds came back against Ohio state pin number 10 Tate Orndorff in four minutes and 52 seconds. I mean, coming Ooh. off a couple of big matches for big Tony Cass. Woo. And that's right. You gotta, you gotta love it, really. Um, you know, somebody like that with a big smile that he does. I mean, just the, he's just a crowd pleaser. But he's not the only Cassiope in town. I found out today, doing a little research, that uh, Cassiope has a couple of little brothers out of Roscoe, Illinois, that uh, are looking to hopefully be uh, in the in the uh, the Iowa, old Iowa uniform um, in about ten or so years. So it was funny. Here's the story. So I looked up and I said, Oh, there's a rock, like a Rocco uh, Cassiope or uh, Rocky Cassiope. I think it's Rocco. And uh, I was like, Oh, that's crazy. Like I started looking at it's like matches, recent matches. And I'm like, man, he's maybe Tony Cassiope. He's gotta be his younger brother from Roscoe, Illinois. I'm like, this kid's doing pretty decent, you know? And I'm like, well, and then I see his younger brother or another brother, Bruno, like Bruno Cassiope. First off, most Italian names ever love it. Secondly, like, I'm like, oh, he's doing, he's really good too. And I'm like, oh, what weight are these guys wrestling? Cause I'm like, Tony Cassiope, he is like a heavyweight guy. So I'm like, I want to see, you know, are these guys heavyweights in, in high school maybe coming up? Nope. Rocco's wrestling in 95 pounds. I'm pretty sure he's 13. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He's like in seventh or sixth grade, and and Bruno is uh, in the twelve and under, and I think he he was wrestling like eighty five or eighty eight or something. So uh, so yeah, gonna have to wait on those, but good to see that uh, that the Cassiope family is uh, is seeming to be good wrestlers. So say I was gonna say my my bold prediction of the day is you're gonna see both Rocco and Bruno Cassiope in black singlets in their college years in five short years. So I mean. We, we laugh about it, but think about it. I'm sure you guys feel the same way. It seemed, feels like yesterday I was in college. Shit, that was 2016. So it's like, you know, all of a sudden it's been five years. Like, it's a blink of an eye. Before you know it, we'll be seeing those boys in Hawkeye singlets too. And, yeah, they're, they're not going to be heavyweights, though, like Big Brother Tony. They're, they're going to be lightweight guys. So I'll be interested to see where they shake out in the lineup. But everything I'm hearing is that they're pretty much gung-ho going to be Hawkeyes. So no, I will say that. I will say, Tony, if you're listening, if you listen to the podcast, first off, love to have you on the podcast after you finish up at Iowa, um, unless Tom is going to let you jump on here. But I wonder if he's got any other brothers. 
You know what I mean? That's just two. There could be more. Does he have any? Yeah, I'd like, I don't know. like to talk to him about his family history. Like to get his thoughts on the, the last few matches. But anyways, we can continue. We'd like, to, we'd like to see if he likes Olive Garden as well. If he if he thinks it's true Italian or not. Ooh, I got a feeling that he's going to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like true... True Italian people like, uh, and, and you know what? I, I'm, I'm just assuming that he's Italian. So, you know, I, he, we, me may not even be Italian. It just seems like he is with the, with the way that they have the names. Um, right. But uh, so I don't want to assume that to, for him, but I do want to say that, Hey, if he'd love, he, if he does like Olive Garden, we can definitely meet there and do an interview. So, you know, <laughs> no, what? I was going to say, go ahead. Nope. Go for it, Dill. Uh, I was just going to say, and he's, you got to remember, he is a heavyweight. So I bet he loves Olive Garden. You know, all all you can eat tour of Italy, talking about the all you can eat soup salad breadsticks. Tour de Italia, Olive Garden, lasagna. Mm-hmm. Now I'm getting hungry. My favorite thing about Tony, though, especially this last weekend, is he he won both those matches. He walked off the walked off the the mat like it was nothing. Like, hey, I'm here to do business. S- uh, straighten up the tie, and I'm out of here. Like, right? Got my shit done. Let's fucking go. Let's get out of here. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And and, and that's what they did. You know, I I kept hearing those announcers during the Iowa Purdue match, you know, talk about, oh, this Purdue team, this is the real deal. They're going toe to toe with Iowa. And then the other guy that actually knew what the hell he was talking about, he's like, "Uh, yeah, Iowa's got like, what, one, two, three, four, five, six out of 10 ranked wrestlers wrestling right now. Like, chill, (laughs) chill out, relax. Like, and they still end up winning thirty-one to eighteen. So it's like, again, not not even close. So I had some hometown buddies ask me, like, dude, I think I'm a little scared for this Iowa Ohio State matchup. It's like, bro, they're gonna they're gonna wrestle all their dudes. You just wait. It's gonna be worse than Iowa Purdue. And sure enough, it was. You know, well, and that, was, and that was the thing. Even then, they didn't wrestle all their dudes. You know, they wrestled Spencer Lee, uh, Desanto, Jaden Ironman, uh, Mirren, obviously. But then, you know, missing Caleb Young and Alex Marinelli, they both have 57 and 65. That's big time. And then, you know, at literally everybody else, with the exception of Max Mirren, they're taking care of business for Iowa, which, you know, makes that total 33 to 14. So, yep, for um, sure. Yeah, you look at that. You could take five points away because there's no way Alex Marinelli is getting tech followed by Ethan Smith. Uh, at worst case, you're looking at a decision there, one way or the other. So, yeah, no, it, it would only been worse if I wrestled everybody. Which brings up a funny, funny question. Um, and I'll take it from the mailbag now, just because it applies. And so Lance, our buddy, one of our wrestling correspondents, wanted me, and you guys can touch in this and in on this as well but just to go through a quick hypothetical iowa versus penn state breakdown uh for those of you not familiar with the uh, with the iowa wrestling community the iowa penn state is like the duke north carolina you know basketball game yearly it's it's quite the rivalry it's really heated up in the past 10 years since kale sanderson's took over the helm at penn state and you know really improved that program and won you know what nine national titles in 10 years or whatever so uh you know, incredible to see. And, you know, this was the must-see matchup, must-see duel of the year. So we're going to go through a quick hypothetical breakdown here. So 125, number one in the nation, Spencer Lee of the Iowa Hawkeyes, taking on question mark from Penn State. If you look at all of Penn State's meets this year, they do have four guys at that 125 weight. 
but none of them were eligible to compete. So in every duel, all three duels this year so far, they've forfeited that weight. So we go there, and assuming the league is any of them anyways, he's probably getting the pin. So we're going that game or that match, 6-0 Iowa. 133, Austin DeSanto, number four, versus RBY, Roman Bravo Young, currently ranked number three in the nation. I'd say RBY gets a decision there, uh, even potentially a major. But I think Roman Ooh. Bravo Young's the better wrestler. But a more major, than likely, though? More than likely just a decision, but – you know, depending on how much he's improved, I could see him potentially getting that major. So um, we'll play it safe. We'll go decision. So that puts it 6-3 Iowa. And then what would be the headline matchup of the night at 141? You got number one ranked Jaden Ironman of the Iowa Hawkeyes taking on number two ranked Nick Lee. And I gave Nick Lee the decision here. Again, that would be that's a toss up. Both guys are just hell of re- hell of wrestlers. I, I kind of want to give the edge to Jaden Ironman here just with his scrambling ability, and I don't want to be too big of a homer. So that's kind of why I went with Nick Lee here. So, again, toss-up, 6-6, six to six, Iowa-Penn State tied going into 49. 49, we've got number five, Max Mirren, taking on number 19, Jared, for clearing. Uh, again, Penn State's wrestled a couple different guys here at this weight, so – I didn't know necessarily who to go with, so I went with who I saw ranked on Intermat. Uh, Jared McLaren, we've seen him a few times throughout the years, but I gave Mirren a major decision in this one. So, again, you could probably be safe, give him a decision. So, it's somewhere in that 9 to 10 to 6 Iowa range. And then from there, we got another ranked matchup at 57 with Caleb Young ranked number 5 and Brady Burge ranked number 9. Once again, I'm giving Caleb Young the decision. I think – Young's a completely different wrestler this year. I think we've noticed in years past where maybe being at that 57 weight has weighed on him a little bit. Might be more of a natural 65-pounder, but obviously Iowa's got Marinelli, so that's never going to happen. But you're you're not seeing that this year. I think Caleb Young looks healthy. He looks ready to rock. I think he pulls off that decision there. Moving up to 65, you got number two, Alex Marinelli, taking on number six, Joe Lee, uh, brother of Nick Lee, actually. Uh, I'm giving – Marinelli decision here and simply just because of the experience I think Joe Lee's still a still a young buck uh you know he's going to be a stud uh potentially a national champion in his career at Penn State but I think Marinelli gets him early on you don't think it'd be a you don't think it'd be a major you think it'd be be a decision oh no yeah I think it'd be a decision Joe Lee redshirt freshman so yep Joe Lee's tough though Joe Lee is a tough wrestler he comes from you know obviously he's brothers with Nick Lee they come from a wrestling family, you know, great wrestlers. So I'm keeping that one out as a decision. I don't see him getting a major there. Um, 74, then we look at number one ranked Michael Kemmerer for the Hawkeyes, taking on number eight, Carter Starochi. I'm guessing Starochi, something like that. Which is uh, weird to hear him not wrestle Mark Hall, right? It is. It is. God, I, I missed that matchup. I saw Mark Hall competing freestyle. Uh, I wanted to say it was today or possibly yesterday. Um so, yeah, no, it's I, – I don't miss him being in a Penn State singlet, but I miss that matchup. I miss the anticipation of that matchup. You know, there, there's a lot of things in life that you're never going to forget, and I'm never going to forget how loud Carver Hawkeye got when Michael Kemmerer took him down for the last time last year and, you know, took him out in that dual meet. It was incredible, you know, the because there had to be what Carver holds, 15-5, something like that. I mean, there had to be 16, 
16, five people in there because standing room all the way around the arena was completely booked up to like, like during that match, I had to like go up, like walk up the stairs just to like contain myself. Cause I couldn't be sitting down. I was just freaking out, call it anxiety, call whatever the hell you want. But like, I just couldn't be sitting down. Like I was freaking out. It's like, I was out there on the mat myself. So my buddy, uh, my buddy Chase and I got there an hour early so that we can get five rows up in the student section. And we sat there and waited. It was, it was awesome, man. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll double your statement. It was the, it was a lot of I'd ever heard Carver before. Oh yeah. And it not even close. It was not even close that you couldn't hear yourself think like, like you could just feel, but did energy. you want to though? I mean, no. you just wanted to feed off the energy of the crowd, right? right. Like it was right. so awesome. Oh and yeah. Everybody wow. was absolutely just fired up. And then, you know, it, it was no doubt. I was taking care of every match after that. And, uh, God, what what a what a time to be alive that was. So safe to say in this matchup, I'm going with Kemmerer. <laughs> so uh, so I played it safe again, went with the decision. You know, that could even be potentially a situation where, you know, Stararchi could get himself pinned or even potentially tech fall, but Michael Kemmerer's number one in the land for a reason. So then you got 84, number 14, currently ranked Nelson Brands after a loss last week versus number three, Aaron Brooks. Aaron Brooks is an animal. Uh, I think he could even potentially get a major decision. That's what I went with here. Um, you know, if I wanted to be safe, I, I do think brands can pretty easily hold him to a decision. Um, but Aaron Brooks can score points in a hurry and, you know, incredibly agile for being at that 184 weight class. So that puts us right now at 22 to 10 Iowa. And then going into that 197 match, you got number two, Jacob Warner and number 14, Michael Bayard. Uh, again, I think, Warner, just the offense I've been seeing out of him in these last few meets. You know, I think that continues. You're looking at a decision there, bare minimum. I and want to then, bring up. Oh, go oh, ahead. Go ahead, Brad. This is a young team. I'm looking Talking at these. Penn State? Yeah. 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 And these these guys are the real deal. Like so, Michael, Michael young. Beard, redshirt freshman, you know, Joe Lee, redshirt freshman. Aaron Brooks is a sophomore, freshman of the year last year. Like yeah. I'm just going through these guys as you're calling them out. And I'm like, damn, these guys are ranked and these are young as hell. Sorry. Yep. Keep going. No, you're fine. Penn state's reloading. Um, you know, it, it's not the days of the David Taylors. Uh, oh God. Who's that one pain in the ass um, who dyed his hair blue for the national championship Bo last year? Bo nickel. Thank you. Um, you know, it's not the guys where they had those guys, Mark Hall, Vincenzo Joseph, like, you don't have all those hammers coming back necessarily, but they got a lot of good young talent over there. So it reminds me a lot of Iowa a few years back when they had, you know, Caleb Young, Alex Marinelli, Michael Kemmerer coming up. So uh, Spencer Lee, another one. So they're, they're definitely going to be a force here for a while. And then at that 285 weight class, we got big Tony Cassiope versus number eight, Seth Novellis. Tony's too good. Uh, he, he's beaten them before. He's going to continue to beat them. So, uh, yeah, I, I see that being bare minimum, you know, decision. I went with decision to be safe. So uh, you're looking at that final score conservatively, 25 to 10 Iowa, and that's assuming Iowa doesn't get into the bonus points, which I think they could. So uh, this year, Iowa, Lance, handles Penn State pretty easily, in my opinion. Um, however, next year, could be a whole different ball game. So is, those, Oh, go ahead, Rob. I was just going to say, 
you know, with these guys being as young as they are, I'm I'm scared to what they could possibly uh, churn out as far as now. I know that we we have some good recruits coming in, and I know that you we we could probably talk about that. But um, moving forward, like you know, these are guys. These guys are going to be or continue to be very formidable. Oh yeah, and and you look at a guy like number two in the nation right now, Nick Lee. He's got the number one overall recruit right behind him. That's just tearing it up in extra matches and opens right now uh, in Bo Bartlett. So uh, Penn State, they, they're Penn State. You know, they're Penn State for a reason. They're going to continue recruiting, and, you know, they're going to keep getting those hammers in there. So, you know, I was got to compete, and, frankly, they've been doing it. You know, you got the Shriver brothers coming in, are wrestling this year. Um you know, Reyna, another four-timer. You got Patrick Kennedy. I mean, it, again, it, there's going to be some fun battles between these teams for years to come. So I'm excited for it. So you're telling me, Dill, that you you don't think that after we lose the the Sanos, the Spencer Lee, the Jaden Ironman, you don't think that we're going to hurt at all the next couple of years, you know, with, with trying to rebuild and restock up? You think that we're going to be right okay right away? I think we are. I think it's it's not so much of a reload and rebuild as it has been in year past years past. So, you know, you you look at guys like Abe Asad, I you know I think he still has the potential, despite getting beat out by Nelson Brands this year, to be great for the Iowa Hawkeyes. You know, Nelson Brands, another young one. Um, you know, not Aaron Cashman. You look at him; he's a sophomore. He potentially has you know, the skill set to be good. However, you got senior Drake Ayala out of Fort Dodge coming in to essentially take over that Spencer Lee, Spencer Lee role here in the next few years. So, um, you know, and then you got guys like Gabe Christensen coming in potentially at the 97 pounder. Um, you know, Connor Corbin's another one who's been okay. Uh, Zach Glazier, another guy who's going to compete at those upper weights. I mean, I'm just looking through these you know, some of these young guys that I was got Patrick Kennedy, another one, you know, you, they got him at 74 right now, uh, Brettley Reyna, you know, Colby and Cullen Shriver, uh, you know, Leif Schroeder, Colby Siebrecht, uh, Stickley. I mean, Jesse Ibarra, another big, big name, you know, coming out of Arizona. So, uh, I mean, the Hawks got some hammers stepping in and, uh, Penn state and I were going to have some battles for years to come. So awesome. really excited now- to see it. Now, question for you guys, uh, and this is just coming from my novice background as, uh, um, you know, not knowing a whole lot about wrestling, but if you look at the way the team is, is shaped up right now, I mean, you got these guys who are upperclassmen who are basically going to be the leaders in their weight classes. Do you see guys um, who maybe are second up on, on some of those uh, weight classes, you know, as these guys leave, do you see them changing weights? Are there candidates that are in our um, our roster right now? Candidates that could that could either move up or move down depending on how the roster shakes out, so we could so they could wrestle. Yeah, Yo, I, you know, I, yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, yeah. I mean, there there's quite a bit of it to be honest with you. Really? Yeah, you know, I think uh, especially at those lighter weights. You know, uh, typically I was known for their hammers when it comes to the lighter weights, and I don't see anything really changing there. Uh, you look at this year. You know, Jaden Ironman announces he's coming in to Iowa City, and him and Max Mirren essentially sat down, and Max is like, I want to go 49. And Jaden Ironman's like, hey, cool. Yeah, I was planning on going 141. So it's like, oh, that worked out perfect. No one's bitching about that. So um, awesome to see. But I mean, bottom line, what these guys are going to do is 
you know, the best guy is going to wrestle. You know, if somebody's got to cut 15 pounds to do it, they're going to do it. You know, like I said, Caleb Young, you might see him walking around in the offseason. I guarantee he's probably, you know, he's probably somewhere in the 60s, like normal weight. I guarantee he's got to cut at weight every single week to get down to 57, no doubt about it. Um, and you see that wearing on him a little bit throughout the season in past years. So, um, you know, another guy, because you got a ton of these guys at the middleweights that are going to be absolute hammers. You got like Seabreck, Bradley Reyna, uh, both coming in at quote-unquote 49 pounds, uh, Stickley. Uh, again, he's, oh, Stickley's a senior, my bad. I don't know why I keep bringing him up, but, uh, Abara, another one, you know, at 133 right now, uh, you got Drake Ayala coming in at 125. So the, these guys can switch around weights if need be. However, bottom line is, you know, if they want to wrestle, they're going to get into that open spot where they can. And obviously they do wrestle offs every year for a reason. So, you know, those no-name guys can come out of nowhere, like when Spencer Lee came, got the red shirt pulled on him three years back. You know, he was the best wrestler, and, you know, they thought he had the best chance to help them win a national title potentially. So, um, yeah, you, you could definitely see some fluctuation. As far as these old guys go, you know, the only one I can really see potentially moving weight is, you know, Ava Saad should Michael Kemmerer move on after this year. You know, I could see him potentially being a pretty good 74-pounder. Now, again, you know, if he can cut that 10 pounds, I don't know what he walks around at normally. So um, Caleb's young, another one I could see potentially bumping up, you know, if Alex Marinelli decides to move on. But important to know, too, at the beginning of this season, all these guys pretty much all but guaranteed they'd be coming, come, they'd be coming back next year as well. So, so we're not going to have to worry about that for a while, it sounds like. But, <laughs> you know, I, I definitely think there's some flexibility there, Rob. That's another question that I, you know, that I, I think about. It's like sort of the game within the game when it comes to wrestling, where it's like you got to be, you know, a quality wrestler when it comes to your technique and your form and the in the way that you either shoot or counter moves or things like that, which I'm just learning about, mm-hmm. obviously. But you also have to, like, make sure that you're weighing what you need to weigh. So with oh, yeah. that in mind, let me ask you guys, is it easier to cut weight or put weight on? Oh, I'd say probably put weight on. I think it'd be way tough unless you're used to cutting weight. I think it'd be way tough to cut yeah. weight. So th- think about a guy like coming into this year, like Nelson Brands last year was wrestling 184 with Abasad, and you know Abasad eventually got the nod. Well, it was very obvious that Nelson Brands was an undersized 84 pounder. So, you know, I think they said he spent a little bit of time with the Iowa strength and conditioning staff, like for the football squad, and you know helped bulk him up a little bit. So. As far as that goes, I think you see that being a lot easier. But it's funny, you know, in Lance, I think would be able to provide really good perspective of this too, being in the college ranks. And, but even just at the high school ranks, like seeing guys come in on a Sunday, you know, after a wrestling tournament, you know, 10, 11, 12 pounds over was not uncommon. And in high school, you know, your matches are typically on the, you know, the duels are typically on Wednesday nights, or at least they were back then. So it's like, okay, so you got three days to cut, you know, 10, 11, 12 pounds. Okay, yeah, you got a two-pound allowance. Yeah, you still got to cut 11 pounds. How the hell are you going to do it? And by God, they always did it. You know, they were really pissed off around lunchtime because they couldn't eat nothing. But, you know, it was just the way it was. So, um, I think overall, yeah, I I just don't think there's any doubt about it. I'm kind of with Bo. I think 
it's got to be way easier to put on weight than it does to take it off. And especially for these wrestlers that are, you know, running their dicks off for three hours a day. <laughs> I can imagine just wearing a garbage bag. You know what I mean? Just... <laughs> right. That's what, if, if you guys ever want to see a, a cool video, it's older, but you can find it on YouTube. Um, you know, they talk about like training like Iron Men and, you know, the Iowa wrestling program. And you see a video of these wrestlers at Carver doing stairs. And we, we've all been to Carver. Those are steep stairs. And these guys are going up and down all the way around. And it's just, you know, you see these guys get up to the top, throw up in a trash can and get back going. And it's like, oh, my God. I mean, just the shape that these guys have to be in is incredible. So, I mean, to that point, you know, it might be really difficult to put on weight, you know. So, I don't know. I could see it both ways. If it was me, I'd want to <clears throat> I'd wanna have to cut. I, I would basically bulk to the point where I would get to. <laughs> You're laughing at me. I would basically bulk to the point where, like, I was, if I was wrestling at, like, 184, I would bulk to like 190 and then cut. So I'm a big 184. Right. Yep. You know what I mean? I feel like that's the goal. And maybe that's just the worst part though. The worst part with that though, would be cutting the day of. So like if you miss weight by like, I don't know, a pound, you just gotta go run your dick off until you lose that pound. And then you mm-hmm. could be tired and sweaty right before your meet or your match. And you could just lose a ton of energy. Like, basically starving yourself or not eating or not having anything that's going to give you any sort of energy before you wrestle. Like that would be the only disadvantage to like being 190 leading up to your match the day of your wrestling. Right. Before. Now what's the time frame? I mean, you may not know this, but like of when you weigh in and when your match is. Well, I mean, again, another good one, another good question for Lance who actually has some yeah, you know, collegiate wrestling experience, but I mean, I just remember the high school days. I think typically we weighed in, you know, like two hours before, an hour before. So, I mean, you got a little bit of time to maybe get a sandwich in here, get a power bar in you, and a Gatorade. But other than that, I mean, it's not like you're going and eating a steak dinner in between or anything like that. So, um, yeah, you, you don't have enough time to do much, but. Sure. You can get hydrated a little bit and get some food in your belly. Sure. You're not going straight from the treadmill to the mat. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so for all those Iowa wrestling fans out there, we have Northwestern coming up next week, Wisconsin, and then uh, Big Ten Championships. Dill, this question is specifically for you. So Iowa's the number one team right now. Michigan is number two. And then we all know that they paused all athletic activities last couple of weeks. And then mm-hmm. Penn state's number three right now. Does Iowa try and schedule Michigan or Penn state here within the next two weeks, knowing that we have a little bit of downtime before big 10 championships, or does Tom and Terry say, Hey, don't worry about it. We're going to wrestle Northwestern. We're going to wrestle Wisconsin. And then we'll see everybody else at big 10 championships. You know, I, I know the Tom Brands answer, and the Tom Brands answer is let's get Kale Sanderson and the Nittany Lions on the schedule. Me, personally, I, I don't see the point of it. I mean, you're, you're going to wrestle them at Big Tens. You're going to see them in three weeks. Like, you know, why why give anything away is kind of my thought process there. Um, 
you know, Northwestern, Wisconsin, both good times to, you know, get matches in, make sure guys are loose and, you know, on their correct own, you know, championship path, if you will. So I, I wouldn't even bother with it. I don't see the point myself, but I also definitely wouldn't be surprised to see one of those matches made up as well. So, cool. um, and if I had to guess, I would assume it would be the Penn state one. Okay. Rob, I got a question for you, and this comes straight out of the mailbag from Lance, and I'll pass to Dylan after after we get your answer, Rob, but Lance had a really fun little question for us here, and it was, um, would Spencer Lee, if he had the same weight as Gable Stevenson, so for everyone listening, Gable Stevenson is the heavyweight over at Minnesota, and him and Spencer Lee go back and forth on Twitter. They love They love each other. They're good wrestlers. If Spencer Lee and Gable Stevenson were the same weight, who do you think would win in a match? Rob, we'll start with you. I think it's a pretty easy answer, and that's Spencer Lee. <laughs> um, he just seems to, and you know what? I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's because he is a lighter weight and a smaller guy, but he does seem to be able. The times that I've seen him, you know, fly around in the mat. He's got a lot of energy. He's, you know, he's really good. He's like always on attack, you know, his, his matches where he gets, you know, pins and things are super quick. Um, you know what I mean? So it's like, you would think that would be the answer, but then you think about the other side. Well, if he's a bigger guy, like they don't move as quick as some of those smaller guys do. So, but I just think I want to go with maybe technique and, and I'm going to say Spencer Lee, but what do you, what do you think? Though? I mean, I'm, I'm by no means an expert at all. Yeah. So, when it comes to Spencer Lee as a wrestler and Gable Stevenson, Stevenson as a wrestler, you know, they're both elite in their own ways. And so it'd be really interesting to see. So, and as far as Lance's question went, if Spencer Lee had his same skill set at the heavyweight weight, I think there's absolutely no question that Spencer Lee wins and he likely wins by tech fall. Um, you know, just his ability to ride on top. Uh he, he doesn't let anybody out, you know, and, and if he does, it's typically going for tech falls and that kind of thing. So you, you just don't see it. So when Spencer Lee gets on top of somebody, he's not letting them up. And so I don't see anything different happening with Gable Stevenson there. You know, I know Gable Stevenson's good on his feet, you know, has excellent takedown defense, you know, and has a phenomenal, you know, what was I going to say? Double leg uh, takedown as well. So I just – I just don't see it with how good Spencer Lee is. I, and, you know, we might be like, well, Homer's saying this, but I don't think anybody can really argue it where he's the best pound for pound wrestler in the college wrestling right now. And frankly, it's not close where, you know, I, I think Spencer has a very legitimate shot at not only winning a national title this year, but winning an Olympic championship in 2021 as well. Like in my mind, that is not ridiculous. Like I definitely think he's going to be the Olympic front runner at, what is that? 56 kilograms. I'm trying to remember 57. I can't remember, but the lightest weight there. So, uh, he, he's just a freak. I just don't see him. Don't see him losing. And I don't think it'd be any different with Gable Stevenson there. So call me a Homer if you want. For sure. Gable Stevenson has a ton of, a ton of upside. And I think he is pretty nimble, but I tell you what, Spencer Lee has just got the technique and I think he just knows what the heck's going on. So I'm, I'm with you guys. Maybe we are homers, but, uh, really like that. One last thing that we need to cover here uh, outside of wrestling is today's hiring about uh, Coach Doyle. Coach Chris Doyle just got hired in down at Jacksonville with the Jaguars underneath 
Urban Meyer, the former Florida and Ohio State coach, um, as the director of sports performance down with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, Rob, I'm going to pass to you right away on this. What are your thoughts on the hire? What do you think about this? Do you How do you think that uh, the Jaguar players are going to respond to Doyle getting hired down there in Jacksonville? Sure. I think uh, Shad did what he, uh, the, the owner of the Jags, I think he did exactly what he did with Urban Meyer. Get him out in the boat down there, you know, wine and dine him a little bit and say, hey, you know what? Uh, we got a pretty good uh, squad down here. I got a, this yacht here, you can see. I got all this uh, money that we can throw at you. No, I'm just joking. Um, I was just making a play off of the Pat McAfee show. If you guys ever watched that, he always jokes around about uh, Shad, I think is his name, Assad or something like that, is the owner of the Jags, and he's just got this big boat, and Urban Meyer's a big boat guy. Um, that's why he's going to be the coach. Regardless, guys, I think they got a great hire in Coach Joel. I think they got a steal. I think it's too bad that he doesn't coach uh, at Iowa anymore. I don't, um, you know, obviously that some of that was racially driven and I don't know anything about that uh, when it comes to that. So it's hard to say if he, if he's racist or if he's not, but I mean, even us, you know, obviously we were talking before the show just about this hiring and uh, about how the com even in the comment section on Twitter, that was like, you know, Oh, I heard that guy's a racist or whatever. You guys can talk about that more, but I mean, it's, it's, it's not good if you are, if he is, you know, it's terrible, but um, you can't argue with the results that he got. And I'm not saying that's an excuse for, for acting in a inappropriate way. Um, but I, I will say like, you know, before we knew about any of that, the, the one thing that we always came back to was like, Hey, coach Doyle is going to get these boys ready. Hey, coach Doyle is going to take this guy as a freshman and he's going to be an NFL like first rounder. You know what I mean? And like, he knows what they, the NF, he knows what body types and, uh, you know, he's very good with like the system that he put in place, which we even got to hear a little bit firsthand from Parker Hesse and, uh, um, Sam Brinks, Sam Brinks and about just like how they, they, before they even get him, get anybody on a program, they measure him to see like how much weight each, uh, you know, knee can take or in each side. And if there was a weak knee that they would work to strengthen that knee before they would, then continue on with uh, with building their bodies. And I think uh, taking an approach like that is super interesting to me. And also like he, you know, he knows exactly what body types are going to be successful in the NFL. He knows how to get people there, what to do with them. And uh, so I think, you know, he's going to fit right in. I think he's going to be in a, in a crowd of people that are going to like, you know, what he has to say. And, and I think that that's going to be great for him. So I'm super happy for him. And I think the Jack's got a great guy too bad. He didn't go over to the bears. The problem. <laughs> Sorry. Long winded. So, what did you guys think? No, no, that's okay there, Rob. There's so many different ways you can go with this. You know, you could talk about, okay, we have a politically correct answer. We have a non-politically correct answer. We have a filtered opinion. We have an unfiltered opinion. And I'm just going to, straight up just tell you guys what I think where I'm not going to come out and say that I think Chris Doyle was a fall guy and you know all the racial allegations and whatnot that went down this past year you know this past summer because I, I don't think that's necessarily true I definitely think you know there was an abuse of power there you know there was racially insensitive incidents you know that we heard about like where you know Chris Doyle telling people he's going to send them back to the streets and that kind of thing. You know, 
frankly, in today's world, that's unacceptable. And, you know, right and wrong are indifferent. Whatever your opinion is there, that's just, you know, that's just the way it is. I think, you know, us three, we all went through, you know, high school football and that kind of thing. And we probably heard, you know, similar statements that would make our mothers cringe, you know, in regards to, you know, and anything about us as human beings. And again, you know, that was normal. That was used as a, you know, a motivational tactic. Now you talk about where that line is. And I I think it's fair to say that Chris Doyle crossed some lines in his 20, you know, whatever years of coaching. That's absolutely fair to say. Uh, I, I think most people have, to be honest with you. Now, again, you know, you know, allegations of him saying the N word or, you know, talking about baby mamas and that kind of thing. You know, again, I don't think that full blown makes him a racist, but racially insensitive. Absolutely. And you're kind of getting my PC answer here. If you notice now that that being said, you know, there's so much tolerance out there for being ignorant. To whereas, okay, you know, you can be rehabilitated, you know. So Chris Doyle getting let go from the Iowa football program, and you know, and you see a lot on Twitter, a lot of people think his life should just be over and he should be bankrupt and, you know, his kids should go hungry and, you know, get adopted by somebody who would be a better parent, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I've heard it all. And obviously, you know, it sounds asinine to us now, but, you know, America's the land of second chances. And that's essentially what he's getting here. It's not like he's getting a head of strength and conditioning job by any means there. You know, he, he's going to be more on the back end. You know, he's going to be working with players individually and whatnot. And frankly, he's going to have some questions to answer because as we all know, fellas probably, you know, dominantly African-American. So, you know, someone's going to be like, yo, Coach Doyle, what the fuck? I heard you called some kid an N-word. And he's going to have to answer for that. And obviously none of us went through the program. We don't know what happened. And, you know, I think bottom line, he's just going to have to stay from the start. Like, Hey, here's how I fucked up. Here's what I learned. Here's how I've improved in my year off of coaching. And, you know, I want to be here and I want to help us win a Super Bowl. And I think these guys as professional athletes would be able to resonate with that. Now, it's different when you're dealing with 18 to 20 or two-year-old kids from all sorts of different backgrounds from, you know, you got the guys on the farm in Iowa from the kids, you know, off the streets of Southside Chicago, you know, and you got everywhere in between in regards to college football players at the University of Iowa. So am I saying what Chris Doyle did was right? Absolutely not. No one's saying that. Now, that being said, should he never get a job again? in his chosen field? Absolutely not. I, I do not agree with that whatsoever. Um, you know, I think, you know, losing a job that he's held for 20 something odd years, you know, some might argue it's not punishment enough because he got a buyout and that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. The, the lawyers did all that. They figured all that. So, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily fair to pin it all on him and, you know, giving him a shot as a director of sports performance with the Jacksonville Jaguars and an NFL team where, 
you know, you're working with nothing but professionals rather than 18 to 22 year old kids. Personally, I think it's a perfect fit. It's a no lose situation for Urban Meyer to where if it doesn't work out, it's like, hey, you know, we gave him a shot. Didn't work out. No big deal. Um, but yeah, I th- it, it's a PR nightmare right now, but it's going to blow over. Bottom line. What do you think, Bo? Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's a perfect job for him. Honestly, it's a retirement job for him, right? They moved to Jacksonville, Florida. He's got however many, what, five plus years left, you know, in, in the business. No income tax. Yeah, no income tax. I mean, it's perfect. <laughs> and so, I mean, good kudos for him to him for getting that. But I have to echo what you said, too, about day one. He's got to go in day one and say, hey, guys, I fucked up. This is what I did. This is what I learned from from that experience and this is how I'm a better man. And he's got to create that trust right away from his players. And I agree completely, Dill, what you said too, like, Hey, our main mission here is to win a Super Bowl. I'm not your head strength conditioning coach. I'm all about you getting better. And this is how we're going to do it. And I think this is the, literally the perfect job for him. He doesn't have to sit and yell at players for not doing their job. He has to sit there and evaluate players and say, Hey, this is how we can get you better essentially. So there's no provocative, language or or any you know actions that he could take towards individuals that could minorly think that he would be some sort of racist now i may be part of the majority of the crowd thinking that i don't think he's a racist i think he's probably done some things that have been pretty sketchy uh, maybe towed the line and again i I can't speak for those uh, situations but i will say this is that jacksonville lucked out with a terrific coach i think that him and kirk ferentz are still good buddies I still think that they talk on a daily, um, and I and I think that hopefully, and I don't shouldn't say think, but I hope that our new strength conditioning coach can do half the job what Chris Doyle did at Iowa because Doyle did an impeccable job. He develops talent. He created so many great players um, from the walk-on status or the one-two stars, made them into five-star athletes and people, and I just – can hope and pray that the University of Iowa does does their job finding the right person, whether that be Ray or the next person that comes comes in and that can develop players like he did. And and you know what's funny too is another thing I've heard is that you know Chris isn't qualified for the role that Jacksonville hired him in, and he most absolutely is qualified for said role because. You talk about building a strength and conditioning program and not even necessarily just the weights, but all the behind the scenes shit like you were talking about, you know, the nutrition, uh, like all the body analytics, you know, the sleep, the sleep charts, all of that. Like those are going to be things that are developed into this process. And obviously there's going to need to be some tweaks, you know, going into the NFL, you know, it's probably hard to tell a $20 million man that he has to go to bed. But, you know, so there's, there, there, there's going to be some, you know, tweaks and whatnot that need to be made. But I a, ask, you know, anybody involved in the Iowa football program, and they're literally still running Chris Doyle's program. Nothing has changed. The guy, the guy that's the head of it all has changed and Raymond Braithwaite. So, um, yeah, overall, he, he is qualified for this position. You know, he took a year off to essentially – I mean, do nothing but reflect and, you know, reflect where he is as a man. And, you know, we can only hope that he's learned his lessons and, you know, learned to be better from this. And, um, you know, frankly, I hope he goes on to have a fantastic career and, you know, changes the lives of young men 
and continues doing what he loves doing and making a positive impact, you know, rather than the negative lasting impact that he made on, I wouldn't even say a majority, but, you know, a portion of former Iowa Hawkeye players. A small portion. Right. Yep. I I 100% agree, guys. And I also, um, just when it comes to that, you know, you want to look at somebody and you want to see them for the things that they do good and and not condemn them for the things that they do bad. And I think that sometimes uh, in today's day and age, it's it's just too bad because it seems like that's the more juicy story. You know, that's how, that's why cancel culture is a thing. And, you know, I feel like Chris Dole pretty much just got canceled. Now I want to, I don't want to downplay any sort of situations that I don't know about. You know, all we know is just allegations at this time, but you know, I mean, I just wish him the best of luck and we do know that he did a good job here and we can say that for sure. So, um, so we want him to continue to do good, you know? Yep. Which we know that I can dig it. Well guys, that is, that about wraps it up. I think we covered everything. We have, um, some, some things to look forward to as far as wrestling goes. Um, we have a gauntlet of a schedule for basketball. The, it's the off season for football. They're still talking about, uh, if you guys read the athletic, they are talking about, you know, quarterback controversies and who's going to be competing for quarterback this next year, but they got a full off season this year to look at it. So more to yeah. come on that, obviously in future episodes, but we do want to say, um, you know, thanks to everybody for listening to a great episode. Hey, and speaking of Rob, I'm so sorry. I sure. completely forgot to bring this up, but as far as football related news goes, so signing yeah. day came along and Iowa did sign a highly sought after center three star out of Jacksonville, Florida, who funny enough was recently, oh, yeah. was recently let go from his position with the Jacksonville Jaguars as the head of strength and conditioning. Um, so just kind of funny how that works where Tom Mislinski is his name you know, he gets fired along with that staff. Well, then Urban Meyer gets hired, and then Chris Doyle comes in there. And then Michael Mislinski, Tom's son, commits to play football at the University of Iowa. So just absolutely wild how that all turned out and how everything all kind of connects together and just what a small world it truly is. So just building that pipeline of Iowa players going to the NFL, you know what I mean? Right. Like there's just so many ripple effects. You got to think that. You know, those Jacksonville, you know, coaches are going to be looking at Iowa players differently. So try it. O-line you. All right. Well, we're going to close this episode out like we always do. We want to say thank you for so much for listening. Cheers if you're drinking along with us. Uh, we had a great episode, I thought. And we're going to close it out with a little Iowa victory polka. Mm-hmm.